My name is Michael Strumsky, and this is my podcast, People More Interesting Than Me. Each episode, I'll interview a person with a different background to try to understand what circumstances, family, or tragedy has made them into the individual they are today. Enjoy. So today, I have with me is Brent Mukai. You have your your hand in everything. From what I've seen, you've done tons of podcasts. You've done video games, improv, stand-up. And I mean, voiceovers is the biggest thing, but yeah. is there anything I'm missing? Uh, I mean, that pretty much. I mean, if I, if, I, if I just went on a big laundry list of the stuff I've done, I, it just always feels like bragging. So I, yeah, <laughs> you've, covered yeah. All, you've covered the major stuff, yeah. Nobody wants to hear themselves do that. It's like, I, yeah, it's just. No, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. Like to, to each their own. I get that people are out here hustling. They want to let people know what's going on. But for me, I've always been like, at a certain point in my career after I had been, had had my hands in like four or five things at the same time, I started to realize people's eyes would glaze over after, after yeah. a certain amount. So I'd have to limit what I was to people. Yeah. And when it comes down to it, what I've, I guess I've actually seen is that as long as you're putting on a real face and actually saying what you believe in rather than saying what you think people believe, that's all really that matters. It's. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. So just to get it started, tell us a little bit about your background. I know you said, or I've, like I said, I've read through your profiles bioptics i've listened to a couple of podcasts you've done before this where are you from and i guess how you got to i guess where you are today geographically let's not dig into the career yet i love that uh born and raised pearl city hawaii um i mean went to palisades elementary school right across the street from my home uh I got picked on and got spit on, and <laughs> my parents withdrew me from that school, put me into Peaches, went to Pearl City Intermediate, Pearl City High School. After Pearl City High School, uh, I, I had been itching, I'd been yearning, I'd, I'd, I'd been feeling feeling restless is the best way to put it. So I, I knew I was going to be leaving Hawaii and um, decided to go to UNLV, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, to study film. Um, Moved up a week before I turned 18 and, uh, and really haven't looked back since. I mean, I, I've been in Las Vegas now for 15 years, which is crazy to me that I, it's almost been half my life up here. And is there any like genres or anything specifically that kind of pushed you to that? Yeah, so uh, I really, in my heart of hearts, knew I wanted to act, to perform, to, to be uh center stage um i was too much of a coward to admit that to myself so i said you know what i can i can maybe do like uh screenwriting or like uh some other type of film thing and that was a, that was an easier sell to my parents too because they thought actor struggling starving uh unsuccessful actor no way uh, but when I said, you know, film, look at how many names are at the ends of films they said okay well i guess that that's better so uh i went up for uh filmmaking i wasn't sure what i was gonna do uh i, I thought that screenwriting would be a thing because i caught a little bit of the creative writing bug 
in the latter years of my high school era. And, um, and I, I took one acting class <laughs> my second semester in and I was hooked. I was like, I, I can't, I can't deny this. I'm, I'm doing acting. Sorry. <laughs> so then I it became writer and writing and acting that I was pursuing, but really it was, it was mostly acting. Okay. And I guess during that time you were just throwing yourself at like anything you could do from the experience. Cause looking through like your Instagram and just like all your posts that you kind of edit yourself, which as a fellow anime lover, and I, I like all the TV shows you do, uh, not obviously I love the voiceovers, but, and I was going to wear my, my, uh, my here academia shirt, but it's a tank top and I'd, uh, I didn't want your first impression of me to be a tank top. So uh, it's a cl- cliche Dragon Ball Z, but I have a. Let's see. Do I have? I mean, here? you can't go wrong with a classic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Dragon Ball Z is the classic. So that's what it looks like if you have your video on. Oh, that's not. sweet. That's really nice. But uh, what was I saying? Uh, so from my experience, most people try to go through shortcuts and usually, I guess, um, if, you, if you're from that life or your parents are from that life, you can kind of do that. But not having that background or the parents to push, from what I've seen, it's, it's all about getting your hand in everything, getting the experience and basically trial and error. Is that kind of what you saw? Uh, after a certain time, you realized you wanted to be an actor. But at that point, was improv the next step or uh, like going out for roles or... I sort of grew up watching Whose Line Is It Anyway, being enthralled by it. I, I, I loved that show. For those of you who've never seen it, it's an improv show where where basically, you know, Wayne Brady and Ryan Stiles, Colin Mockery, Brad Sherwood, Chip Eston. I mean, I could go on, but um, Michael Ian Black. Um, they, 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 it, it was it was improv based games that they would play, and I, I remember thinking, "Wow, I would love to do that to go up and be that f- clever and funny just out of nowhere that's insane so i I, I had a bit of a uh, uh, role model esque <laughs> sort of sort of yearning to to be those guys and um my first summer that i was going back home my uh acting professor clarence gilliard said you know what would really be good uh during summer is um if you can maybe get into like an improv class or a dancing class of some kind and i was like wow improv sounds a lot more fun than dancing for me personally you know no strike against dancers but yeah you uh, one look at my body and you're like nah that guy's not gonna dance so i i went out and and went i was going back home to hawaii and um i asked out i i, fl- I threw it out on my facebook post you know does anybody in hawaii do uh improv and or teach improv or know of anybody and my friend uh choppy was like yeah i i know a friend of a friend so he he hooked it up and i I ended up taking my first four week improv course in hawaii with a guy named garrick paikai who uh i I love and adore by the way is this when you went back to hawaii when i went back for for the summer you know i did one summer school course that was like one module of three or four weeks or whatever and then i went back for another month and a half you know as college kids do for mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> for for winter and summer yeah. vacations. what made you make the jump i guess from 
improv to doing voiceovers? How did that transition happen? That jump was actually fun because I, I was doing a show at the time um, at the Planet Hollywood. I was like 24, 25, maybe it was, or, no, no, I must've been about 23, 24 ish. Yeah. And then, um, the show closed down and we were supposedly going to have another show in the next few months. But the last time that that had happened, it took like a year almost in between of me not performing and doing anything. So I said, you know what? I don't want to sit around on my ass and just not do anything for that whole time i'd really like to still keep my you know my comedic senses sharp so i said let me go do stand-up i've always thought about it you know most improvisers if you talk to them they've thought about stand-up most most anybody who's performed in any way has thought about stand-up comedy um and it was you know a little weird and scary but i was like i can write out some stuff i think i i think i can i've, I've got all this improv experience i'll figure it out uh went to my first mic bombed horribly it was awful just one of the awfulest experience i did a second mic wasn't much different um did a third mic and uh, uh actually got some got, actually got like some cool stuff and the the host afterwards was nice he was cool he was like yo man like you you around here whatever blah 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 i was like uh i just I, i've been in town i just started recently doing stand-up so i got into that and then at that exact same show with that exact same host, um, two, three years later, I, I was doing another show there. This, at this point, I was doing stand-up pretty much nightly, um, just fitting it in when I didn't have to work nights at my casino job. I met a guy who was like an actor from L.A. Uh, he, was in, he was in the, uh, the, the Barbershop series, not the, not the movie, but the Barbershop series he was trying his first time doing comedy ever and I, I sat and i chatted with him i was like oh, i don't know you man but we ended up hitting it off became friends uh he got me into some california shows doing stand-up and uh when we were there at one point he he mentioned offhand as we were driving out to i think it was like some show in ventura like a like a 10 p.m show in ventura <laughs> um you know a long drive and he was like oh man yeah i do I, I got some voiceover gigs tomorrow i was like what you can just get those i thought that you had to be famous first and uh he enlightened me and he was like no you don't have to be famous man i'm not famous there's tons of people just working class voice actors doing this doing this as like a thing and i was like oh well shit okay i guess i can uh try that out how do i get into it and he was like let me talk to my buddy and uh let me introduce you to him tomorrow night so we went over did a like an 11 p.m show or something it was crazy at some bar and he introduced me to his buddy dave and uh, dave had just worked with some vegas people so he gave me the contact info for a place called the voice actors studio in a place called uh or not a place but a, a dude named dustin ebaugh uh, who's a pro VO that he had just worked with in Vegas. And that was kind of that. I started taking classes at the voice actor studio, started building up as soon as I heard what the spiel was, what I had to do, like what the requirement, not requirements. Cause it's not like, Oh, fill out these requirements. Now you have a career. But well, when I heard what I had to do to get to the place that I wanted to be, I was like, okay, that sounds amazing. I'm putting all of my time, all of my spirit, all of my energy into this. 
uh, I, I mean, most of it, I was still, you know, I still had a full-time job and I still had, you know, shows and stuff lined up that I was doing and all of that. But, uh, yeah, that's how it all started for me getting into the voice acting from improv. It was uh, a leap away from the stand-up comedy and the, the friends I made along the way in that. What was your first gig like? The first voiceover gig that you got? Uh, it was for a, it was for a, it was an explainer video for a thing called Dual Drive. I did the gig, I sent it off, I got paid like the 200 bucks or whatever for some video that would just live on this client's um, website or webpage or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, it was a self-record, so I didn't need to be with like a director or anything. And um, I still, to this day, I have no idea what I was talking about. I was just, I, I, I just said the words and knew how to tell the story correctly and was able to infer what these things meant. But I have no idea what dual drive is to this day. And I think that that's really fun. I guess looking through your Instagram and I, I, I saw a couple of posts with your mom and what was it like when you first showed her, started showing her voiceovers? Cause what I would imagine, at least from what I saw on your Instagram and uh, social media, just like my parents, they're just like, you, you appreciate that they notice, but their comments and commentary doesn't really come close to what you, you want from. <clears throat> yeah. Well, you know, my mom is just like, I don't understand any of this stuff. The, the one time, the funniest part is I did a, I did a political ad for um, a guy who was going, I can't remember what branch it was a lower branch. It was like, uh, it wasn't like mayor or governor or anything like that. It was much lower than that. But, um, they were like a, a series of funny little commercials that, that, you know, supported this guy. And, uh, uh I told my mom that, and she freaked out. Cause she was like, I've seen those commercials. That's you. Um, and that was like the only thing that she's ever freaked out about because in th- that's in her world, you know? Yeah. Um, I feel like if you're, if you don't consume the type of, you know, yeah, like that you do, then then nobody cares. Like if I don't play video games, I don't care if you're in a thousand video games. I just don't care. I don't know what it's about. Um, so that was sort of the yeah. I, I totally understand that from that point of view, because I'm not going on any or probably will never go on anything that they have. They're into PBS, like British murder mysteries where the lady's like 80 years old and solving crimes <laughs> in like or ncis which is like the the go-to like old person you know like what you watch on tv at like yeah but what if you did a promo for ncis what if you what if you got a commercial that played in between that yeah whoever does the yeah NBC promos or whatever yeah well uh, when you were doing the voiceovers and switching over was there any like uh, big people in your corner, coaches, obviously your mom and dad, from what you said, sound supportive and, uh, oh, they weren't really not really <laughs> not at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, no way. Uh, typical Asian parents, dude. I mean, like they were like, don't do that. Don't you want to, you want to do what creative? No, that's not a job. You got to get a job where people pay you on a, on a weekly paycheck. That's the only you know, you don't want to fail. What if you fail? You're going to fail. Uh, that's what I got. That's what I grew up with. But um, my own stubbornness, my own insistence that 
I would figure it out as I went along. Um, I think they watched that and then maybe I turned them around uh, with it all. But when I really turned them around was when I was like, yeah, I'm making like a living doing doing this now. That was when that was when the tune kind of changed. And for anybody who's struggling to become a full time artist, that's when that's when your unsupportive parents, if they are unsupportive, are going to support you. They just, they just want to make sure that you can make a livable wage and be happy, you know, and, and I get it. Not everybody's going to creatively. So they had a right to be worried, but man, did I work my ass off to, to turn that around. And man, was I just hardheaded and stubborn as hell. So that was what it was. Sorry, what was the question? You were going somewhere with that. No, you answered it perfectly. <laughs> all, all I all I was gonna say is, for my parents, obviously I didn't I didn't get as much. It was mostly like after high school, make sure you have a degree. As long as you have a degree, that's all we care about. But basically, from the multiple interviews I've done, and we're talking about people's like childhoods and past and where they're at now. But basically, everybody's coming out with these college degrees, and they they're either a not doing anything with it or b it's not helping them at all yeah it's um for most people college is a fucking scam y'all if you're listening to this and you're like young enough to be deciding whether or not you should go to college fuck college if you don't have unless and this is the big asterisk you want to be a doctor if you want to be a lawyer if you want to be a teacher if you want to be a thing that requires a degree a cpa then please, please, for the love of God, go to college. There's nobody who's going to intern their way up into being a surgeon, for sure. But if you really, really want to do something creatively and you want to explore and your parents are pressuring you to go to college to do it, unless you are able to do it without taking on debt, it's going to come back and bite you in the ass. As successful as I am right now at 32 years old, I've got, I don't want to say tons of college debt, but I've got a good amount. And uh, I wish someone had told me before, like all of this and given the rundown, but, and I, and we're living in an era where the, the narrative on college has changed, but with all the, all of the, all of the bullshit you have to go through with, with taking out loans and the, the way that college loans work, I suggest highly looking into that and how it all works before you decide to go to college. Um, figure out what you want to do first, and then if college is for you, go to college. But if you don't need it, you really, really don't need it. And it can become detrimental to you later in life, taking on loans to go to college. There's huge asterisks, a bunch of asterisks, and probably a bunch that I'm even missing right now because I'm not thinking about it. So I'm not saying college is the devil and you should stay far away from it i'm just saying if you have to take on college loans understand right now what the fuck you're getting into because you're getting into a lot and at 18 17 i didn't look at all the fine print or ask the right questions and no one told me about it and i'm still paying for it now six what 14 years later so just know yeah. that yeah when you were explaining it i was just thinking like what are the ones and then I thought of a common thing, like if you're going to get sued by it, you probably should have gone to college for it. That's that's my my thinking. Lawyer, doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, any any job that requires a degree. Sure. Yes, of course. Please go to college. But like. 
dude, if you, if you're like, I want to get into marketing, you probably don't need college. I totally get that. Cause there's so many roles where you can maybe one or two years on whatever that job is just being at the bottom and just understand how the sausage is made, understand how each aspect actually happens besides making a, whatever, a report on a project that supposedly is going to happen rather than something that's in real life happening now. Yes. Like, I mean, go, go take, go take a bunch of classes from places that aren't colleges. I'm sure that you can find a ton of marketing things, you know, marketing classes, marketing, all that stuff. I mean, take out, take out even a regular loan. And then even if you have to go into bankruptcy later, you can, you know, that loan will be canceled. You can't, your bankruptcy does not cancel out your student loans. You're so you're, you're getting, you're just getting double reamed at that yeah. point. It's like you're already bankrupt, but like your interest is still accruing on all of your college loans. It's it, taking out a college loan specifically is just bad news if you don't have a plan for it. And I did not. And I regret it. I regret that part of the process. I should have dropped out, but I was too embarrassed. And I, I, uh, and by the time I figured out that I didn't really need the degree, I, I was already just too far in where it was like, I got um, one more semester and I'm done. I'll just get the damn piece of paper. Yeah, it's probably the same with our parents would probably been the same. Like, just finish your degree. Just finish it up. Exactly. Gotta- but why? Why do they care? Just so that they can tell their friends that their their son has a college degree or is going to college. Why do they even care that much? And like the pre- like the 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 propaganda for it is just like crazy like like colleges and all like the system is designed to make you think that if you're not in college and you're 19 years old that you're somehow a failure no get that shit out right now yeah definitely agree it would have been a better use of the money i could have used (laughs) you and me both but uh i mean just to drop some of the stuff you've you've done attack on titan you've done my hero academia black clover uh and the the biggest one uh one piece um which job do you think you were like okay i finally made it like i can just keep on grinding out like i've done and i'm set like this is my job for the rest of my life i'm not gonna lie man i still i mean i i i i don't have that mentality one bit i don't but and and I'm crazy because I just I don't have a I don't have an intention of slowing down. Like I love this thing so much, but what keeps me here at this place that I'm at, where I'm working all the time, is just the idea that I I don't have any laurels to fall back on. Like if I'm not sending in good auditions, nobody gives a shit that I'm in One Piece and that I'm in Ratchet and Clank. You know what I mean? If I don't mm-hmm. get the skills up. If I don't, if I don't do the due diligence to get better, I, I, I just believe that there's no such thing as stagnating in skill level. I feel like you're either working out and getting stronger, or you're losing the muscle. Yeah. So no, I see that. So I there's no point in my career that I hope I'd never reach a point where I am where I am like just complacent because that's that wouldn't be fun to me. And that's why I love the challenge of what I do is that I constantly get to keep trying to one up who I was yesterday. So to me, it's like no role. 
will ever. I, I could be the new character they introduce on the new iteration of Futurama uh, and a main character that uh, that's beloved by all and, the, you know, like, and, and go to cons and do all that stuff. That don't mean I don't want to, I don't want to keep working. And I know that in this business, if you, if you don't, if you're not working constantly to, to get up those, to get up that escalator, that escalator is going to bring your ass right the back, right, right back down. It's like climbing an escalator going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Just to maintain where you're at, you have to output energy. And even if you want to, and if you, if you have the audacity to think that you can get better than you are right now, then that takes even more work. So, so that's my, my, not my philosophy on that anyways. I don't know. It's fun and I like it and it's competitive to me and I'm a competitive guy. Like I said, from just looking through all the content you have, you're just consistently thinking and being creative. Like for example, I was, what was I listening to? Some video you had done. No, it was a podcast. You were talking about how combining right brain thinking with left brain, uh, not methodology, but using both your creative side and basic train methodology to kind of push yourself forward. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Cause I'm always pushing being good at one thing, but make sure you're good at not even good at just have experience or that you've done it once or twice. You know what I mean? So you can kind of feel what you're good at and what you're bad at and what you actually enjoy. Yeah. I seek balance. That's what I ultimately, that's what I seek. If I had to narrow down my entire philosophy to one thing, I'm trying to seek balance in, in all that I do. Have you, have you had any big hurdles since you've, I guess, started rolling with the voiceovers? Any, any big issues or stuff that you had never done before? Maybe different languages, a different range? Do you mean in terms of like, am I, am I doing stuff that I didn't know I could do before? All yeah. the time. I mean, dude, I'll, I'll be full out. I can't whistle. And that's come up and been an issue in like two, three sessions. I'm trying to learn and teach myself how to whistle. I'm doing YouTube tutorials. I just got a lot of spit on my fingers right now. Like, but does that mean I'm going to give up for a little bit? And then I'll get more spit on my fingers and eventually figure out how to freaking whistle. But yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm constantly getting challenged and bombarded with things that are new to me or new sensations. But that's that's part of why I love the job is. You know, if I just immediately could snap my fingers and do every single thing that comes across my path, I don't think that would be fun for me anymore. Because like you were saying, like, if you don't, then basically your skills are going to atrophy and you might just become not irrelevant, but I guess kind of slowly pushed out. Well, yeah. And, and to, to that point, like I'm talking about the, the style, like the character work that I do and the character work that I really love. Um, there's a lot of great freaking actors out there, man. There's that, that want these spots that want these jobs that want like so, so many people want to do this. And I feel so lucky and encouraged to be able to, but also I I also can say it's not just luck. I'm working my ass off. And like, I I've, you know, I, I going back to like improv and all that stuff, like for the last since 2007, you know, and if you want to argue and say high school acting, you know, is, is experience, I, I think I feel like that's more social experience than than like 
hardcore creative experience if you catch my drift not to say anything wrong with high school stuff but uh, i've been doing this since 2007 and nobody you know nobody sees that work nobody sees how many crazy ass nights i would do or 12 hour day 12 hour days i would pull you know just working getting off my job going to do three four five hours of extra work just on comedy or improv or acting or writing or going out and filming something on my weekends like a lot of people just just don't see that that's also a part of it and like i don't know they they give up or whatever but all of that's given me a resilience and has allowed me to uh, not see those things as challenges, right? So when you say like, what are some challenges to me? Those aren't challenges. Those are just like, hell yeah, I get to play. I get to play and do something I've never done and give my best at it and work on and develop a new skill. I think JB Blanc was the one who said, every audition is a new opportunity to learn something. And, uh, you know, that's such a freaking good, such a good thought to have because because this this career can be long and and get mentally draining at times if you're not having fun and luckily i i find it so fun just doing it i think that's the secret yeah no i totally get that because i started off during covid i my adhd i have multiple things working at the same time like i'll have a project i'll do for three months and then next month it's completely different like outside gardening but (laughs) I was doing audiobooks and it just <laughs> it was so many hours and in the end it was just like the hours I spent doing it it was actually entertaining I was having fun obviously the editing part was not as fun but yeah, in that's the why end I don't do audiobooks homie yeah oh I, I totally get it like you said with the auditions I mean no matter what the audition is unless it's completely outlandish you're going to expand your range like I I was listening like to I guess your uh your demo tape on the the first three and then I just pulled up the uh the other animes I was familiar with like Black Clover because I I couldn't pull the character out of my head but it was from the dark triad uh section I'm trying to remember the uh the demo reel and you have this nice uh lofty tough guy voice for people who are listening they definitely agree with me obviously but that voice is completely different. It was like a, uh, I don't want to say it was a ghost, but it was like, (sighs) it's funny that you say that. I love that character because I got chosen for it and it was something that most people don't ever hire me to do. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was referred and somebody said, yeah, I think he can do a good job doing this. And I saw that he was a character that could turn into smoke. So I was like, let me make a smoky voice for this because and the the Japanese actor if you listen to the Japanese actor they also have a very smoky kind of quality to their voice that I was like I want to do it that way um and I think that the the directors or the person who referred me thought I'd probably just go my normal route of like tough guy voice or whatever you know but I was like no this is again a new opportunity a new chance to do something different and new and fun hell yeah and it's like a standout on my demo reel because it's like so radically different from all the other stuff that I'd done at that point. I definitely agree with that because I mean, with the the other characters in that group, they were going for tough guy bully vibe. 
And with that, it's more like creepy, tough guy, spooky type vibe. Yeah, and like a ghosty kind of character. And I, yeah, you know, like I really like doing that. I really like doing that stuff. And for your One Piece character, that I mean, that's huge just because because I, I read the 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 manga for people who don't know what manga is. It's the comic and anime is the actual cartoon depiction of it after basically you've got a lot more uh lines down there are you excited for that are you already thinking about how you're gonna do it no i can't think about it i i am excited though because i know that i know for a fact i'm not caught up in the anime yet i'm like 56 sorry (laughs) oh no it's all good because i because i i know that um apu's aligned with kaido so like i am and and from what i haven't spoiled myself on it yet because i'm still planning to watch and get caught up one of these days but um i know that he plays like a much bigger part later on and um yeah i mean i'm thrilled i'm thrilled to to have had that opportunity to to do that um and and i i gotta shout out brad venable because i'm i'm the guy who replaced him i don't know if you knew that but yeah i saw that you had a because you didn't just replace my one piece there was another role that uh you took over or am i wrong on that i was also i also replaced him on attack on titan ah okay so here's a guy i mean talk about weird um serendipitous kinds of occasions but uh this is a guy that i sat down with and I, i I was like, how do I get into anime? How do I get into, you know, the LA market? How do I get into, you know, all these different things? And um, after his passing, you know, may he rest in peace. Um, it, it was him. It was his roles and him that allowed me to get into two of arguably my favorite anime franchises. Uh, I was cast into Attack on Titan. They didn't even audition. They just cast me because. I had already replaced him in one piece and was the same director. So like just what a beautiful sort of thing to, to realize that a legacy can stretch beyond, you know, your life. I, I that's the way I've described it. It's like he, this, the, here, here's a mentor of mine who, who played a small role, a small role in my life that ended up um, helping me get, into the two franchises I, I love the most in the anime world. So I wouldn't say it gets emotional, but I guess you kind of copy or anything, but you kind of look at what's been done before, kind of like what you were talking about, the Black Clover voice. You were trying to listen to what they were doing with the Japanese uh, voice for the actor on that side. I guess you kind of look at what he had done before and, and try to get the same flavor and closeness to the voice originally, right? Exactly. And that's what a lot of the voice match stuff is. I've done, I don't claim to be great at voice matching and I, I'm, I don't think that I'm, I I don't think I'm one of the best guys at it, but for somebody who does not claim to do it, I I've done it a good amount of times. So I I guess that there is something there to me that I, I just am unwilling to, to acknowledge because I haven't gone deep, deep into it, but yeah, voice matching is like a whole nother thing. And you know, in, in some respect and in some regard, every anime voice actor is trying to voice match also the Japanese when they hear it, you know? Yeah. Like the American version. But um, 
yeah, it's it's a lot more hardcore when you're trying to imitate somebody who's done it in English because now you gotta, you know, look and listen to the cadence, to the flavors, to to all of the biological things that are going on with their mouth and how they phonate. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's interesting. In my opinion, and I guess people would disagree, but I think obviously the Japanese uh, oysters are a little bit more emotional. Do you think that? any way to get over that or i think that there are a lot of them that i that especially nowadays that like man uh, that is a phenomenal performance like i look at something like um uh full, full metal alchemist brotherhood right and i i look at some of the performances there and i like a lot of those performances more than the japanese and i remember that was sort of my first introduction to like really really well done dubs fully coolie i th- i thought has has an incredible dub where it's interchangeable what i would say is that the japanese actors if you think about it from the from the technical perspective they're just more free number 1 they're more free to do things in the way that they want to do it because they're not matching mouth flaps. They're just laying it down and then some animators are animating it later. So they have all the freedom in the world to do whatever the hell they want. You know, same with, I bet, I bet that if you checked around the world, if people preferred American, American, you know, cartoons or shows or whatever, uh, in English in comparison to their dub of whatever language it is, I bet a lot of people would be like, oh, the American just if they can, they don't mind reading subs i bet a lot of people would do it because it's like they have more freedom you know that's one and then two i'd say that a larger bigger reactionary sort of world and grounding in the characters and the world that they inhabit i'd say that in japanese drama like just going as far back as like kabuki right like there are things in kabuki that are just wild wild and huge and big characterizations that work in japan culturally on a cultural basis that just don't work in an american that just don't work in an american way if you tried to get that same type of feel and that same type of you know just culturally because of of where theater came from there and how it developed there and where performance and theater came from here and how it developed here. So those two factors, I would say, play a role. But, you know, eh, I'm not going to say that I don't like subs because I do love subs. But um, as far as I'm concerned, is, is the big divide between sub and dub. Yeah, no, I get that. So, yeah, you know, to each their own. People watch subs and dubs for different and whatever reasons. But, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, they're bound to be different because the audiences that they're being cultivated for are, are are just so different in itself, like what the expectations are and all of it. So that's my thought on it. What is one big job that is your perfect job, like coming down the line? So, for example, uh, Hunter Hunter uh, manga just came back into production, so maybe we'll see anime soon. Uh, I just finished the manga for uh, uh, Chainsaw uh what's what's something that you would really love to land not not role wise but maybe just show wise i mean everything but (laughs) but in terms of franchises 
Um, God, I mean, there's just so many. Futurama coming back is a big one for me. It's what got me interested in kind of seeing what voice acting was in the early days. Um, Bleach was, I mean, just one of my favorite all-time animes. Like, when I first started watching animes, that's that's one of the big ones that got me. Um, Boruto, because Naruto was like my first anime anime where I knew it was an anime and I knew the difference. And then, you know, Chainsaw Man would be freaking phenomenal. Uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender, and, you know, if they if they come out with like a new season of that, oh my god, would I love to do that. And then stuff that would be like culturally relevant to me would be like if they did a Moana 2, I would love a crack at a character. I would love, even if I get to be in the background, even if I get to be, you know, the chicken and the, the chicken somehow gets the power to talk and says one line, I would love to do that for, you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want to be the talking chicken in a Disney movie? Uh, yeah. Be the guy in the back who's like, oh, thanks for the poi. And like, I would still be happy as hell. It would just be, oh, it would just. I, I love the I love the place where I came from, and every time I go back, I'm just reminded of how lucky I was to to come out of there, and how and also like how I, I look back and realize how stupid I was for not appreciating it, and uh, when I grow when I grew up there. But yeah, like I'm not ethnically Hawaiian, but I I tell people I'm culturally Hawaiian. Like I freaking love the people. I love I love the place. I I, I was born there, so it's just significant. So the, uh, you asked for one, I gave you like six, but <laughs> no, that was good. That was good. So yeah. after you're speaking of home, one of my questions is what is something your parents did that you're thankful for, like the way they raised you and what's something that you would change if you have kids, you would do differently or something that you wish your parents hadn't done. Well, I mean, obviously, I'm grateful for my parents. They raised me. Uh, I think one of the things that I'm most grateful for is um, having very radically different parents. Uh, my mom is very feeling. My mom is very uh, uh, sociable. My mom is very uh, uh, just the the type of person you want to go and, you know, have some wine with. Like, that's my mom. And she's very giving. I came from generations of of giving souls and i i believe that that's really helped me in my career because i think that ultimately the people who win at this business are the givers the people who are willing to give whatever they can and make life as easy as possible for the people around them and um i mean that's just ingrained in me from from birth like i'm always looking to give back i'm always looking to see how I can give more, what I, what I can do to better give or, or more efficiently give to people. Um, um, a humility. My mom, my mom was very strong in all that stuff. And she was for the most part, the one who raised me, uh, my dad and mom split when I was like 11. Um, but a lot of good that my dad gave me was one, he, he told me like, you got to learn how to speak proper English. Um, so I did, I grew up with a, I definitely grew up with like flavors of pigeon and the Hawaiian accent. I had a Hawaiian accent growing up, but my dad also taught me like, if you ever move to the mainland, you know, you want to be able to pronounce everything correctly and all that stuff. And that's definitely helped in my voiceover career. Cause I can switch between, you know, so, 
so listening so so just having that awareness very young that people talk differently was was extremely helpful my dad was all about thinking he was all about strategy um he was all about okay like let me and it was in like everything he did he he would you know we would go to like burger king and he would be like okay so instead of getting the meal of this thing if you look at it it's actually cheaper to do this and this and get this in this way if you want to get that same effect but you're going to save yourself like 25 cents and like looking at the world through that lens just looking at the world of how can i more strategically and how can i more effectively accomplish the thing that i'm trying to do was incredibly helpful as well so i guess if i had to break it down it's like i got i got a lot of brain and strategy from my dad i got a lot of heart and um humility and givingness and empathy from my mom um in terms of what i would uh what i would have changed i don't know i feel like i feel like anything that i would say would be too audacious because i because i don't have kids so i don't fucking know like i i i how, like I could, I could, like any answer that I have would be coming from like, from like childhood me just being like, I wish I'd had more candy, you know, like, so, you know, like, yeah, 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 like petty shit ultimately in the grand scheme of things. Like, oh, I wish they hadn't divorced or I wish that they'd gotten me on ADHD medication sooner, you know, what, like, or, or at all really, you know, and, and made me take it or, or, you know, just things like that, or it'd been more helpful, but that's just, that's so, so out of the question to me. Cause I don't know what the fuck goes into raising a kid. It's obviously hard. I was a problem child. I was very unpopular. I, I didn't know how to socialize. I didn't understand a lot of stuff. So for me to even like try and, and, and conjure some kind of advice to give my parents on how they should have raised me better would just be coming from the most selfish place imaginable. I, I can't even imagine what I would say. Like, do I have some guesses or, or things like maybe I should have been uh, 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 introduced to more social interaction when I was younger. So I, I wouldn't have those struggles later on, or maybe, maybe I could have been taught more the value of money at a younger age, but like they were doing the best they could. So who the fuck am I, you know? Yeah. It's hard to say it. If you're not in that position or role, you might be just be doing the best yeah. you can, especially cause I don't have kids myself. So I can't even speak from that perspective, you know? And that's what I would say to that. I don't know. <laughs> no, it was a good answer. Thank you. But yeah, thank you very much for helping me out and doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure, man. Um, is, is there anything coming up that I can alert my, my uh, 52 followers about that you have in the works? Dude, I am planning on creating a uh, a series of videos on um on YouTube, some that are entertaining, some but but mostly one that's in my soul right now that I think could do a lot of good is helping people out with voice acting as an endeavor and and just clearly laying out some of the things that I think would be helpful 
and things that I wish that I'd known or that somebody had articulated to me um, before. Because when I look at the amount of how-to voice acting content out there, I, I look at a lot of it and I say either A, I don't think it's very good or, or they're missing a lot of stuff, um, or B, I think that the industry's changed so much in the last three years since, or two years since COVID started that, you know, any video done pre-COVID has a lot of information that doesn't really apply to today. So uh, I, I'm, I'm planning on that and I'm hoping that people will be interested in it and all of that stuff. So if you could, if you could subscribe to my YouTube channel, that is what I, my current, um, sort of project that I'm working on right now behind the scenes and um yeah subscribe and that's uh, that's all I'm really pushing right now like I I obviously can't you know because of NDAs talk about stuff that's coming out later on which would be cool but I, I could get in a lot of trouble and I take those well how about they just follow you on Instagram and when it pops they can jump on it sounds good I, I, I you, if you only use Instagram, that's perfect. But if you if you have a YouTube, I'd really appreciate it if if you enjoyed this conversation. If you gave me a subscribe a subscribe there, because man, is it hard to get YouTube numbers up and survive in that kind of economy and that kind of not economy that sort of uh, environment. Is what I meant. Yeah. So YouTube, oh, it um, is people. Yes, please, please. I need all the help I can get there. <laughs> All right, bro. Well, thank you. This was yeah. a fun conversation. I, I really appreciate you uh, letting me. I, I appreciate <laughs> with all your caliber of voiceovers, you you accurately made my voice sound like some gasoline station schmo. You know what I mean? Like, hey, you know, gasoline station schmo is is a really popular ask these days. Yeah, maybe I can be gasoline station schmo number two. <laughs> In fact, I would argue that my voice for a lot of commercial stuff doesn't go over super well because I don't sound like some regular mm. A lot of people are like, oh, your voice is so deep and rich. And that hurts me, I think, in a lot of commercial stuff. So, you know, like to each their own, find your own paths and stuff and find what you're great at. But yeah. yeah, deep and rich are good adjectives in my book. So you you are high up in there. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Well, have a good night, sir. You too. If you like this week's episode of People More Interesting Than Me, please subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to share with family and friends. See you next time.